Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. Well, we are glad that you are with us. My name is Tommy Moore. I'm the interim pastor here at Mercy House. If this is your first time, very special warm welcome to you. and glad that you are here celebrating Christmas together with us. According to your word, these are some of the last words mentioned by Mary in this passage that we see in Luke 1, verse 38. The sentiment that was vocalized by Mary, it, it summarizes a myriad of emotions coming from Mary. It communicates a deep sense of longing, a longing for something that was only heard in stories and songs from distant relatives. It communicates a surrender, a surrender to God's unfolding of His story for peace and reconciliation with man. For Mary, it communicated trust in God, regardless of how peculiar or strange or scary the unfolding of God's story seemed to be. It communicated anticipation, a thrill of hope for the final revelation of the most incredible story that has ever been told. When was the last time that you were in great anticipation? And I'm not talking about on a Friday afternoon when you're looking at your watch and just waiting for the hours to tick by until the weekend. I'm not talking about hitting refresh on the UPS website, waiting for your Amazon delivery to get to you. Like, when was the last time that you waited for something so intensely that you counted not just the hours leading up to it, not just the days leading up to it, not even like the years leading up to it. See, something that's often forgotten during Christmas is that we're, we're celebrating a specific moment in history that, that all of creation has been waiting centuries, even millennia for. It was an anticipation that was handed down through the generations. It, it was a longing like no other longing this world had, had ever known or had ever seen, an, an ancient patience which ebbed and flowed from hope to despair since the moment that sin entered into creation and severed our relationship with God. Thousands of years of darkness with only promises of light. 400 years of absolute silence from God between when the last words are recorded in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. See, as we reflect on these things, it makes sense that we tend to jump to the good vibes of Christmas morning. We kind of inundate ourselves with happy, cheerful songs. But without this context, the conclusion that we arrive at is hollow. It's like me saying, hey, I want to tell you this amazing story. And they lived happily ever after. How unsatisfying is that? And that's what we're trying to hope. That's what we're hoping to accomplish for you all this evening, to create an atmosphere of longing and waiting, to put you into the shoes of those who had walked before us in hopeful anticipation of what would be revealed to us on Christmas morning. So Mary would be the first to know. She didn't know in full. She was still getting bits and pieces. She knew in part and also in promise. And so to answer the questions they were posing, some classic Christmas songs, Mary did not know that her baby boy would walk on water. And she didn't know how exactly her baby boy would save our sons and daughters. And she didn't know that he would come to make her new. And she didn't know that this child that was in her womb that she was about to deliver would deliver her or you. But as she was hearing these words from God, she did have a clue. And she surrendered in hopeful trust and promise that God had made to her. And her response to this is, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let 
it be to me according to your word. Well, the question is, is let what be? See, Noah knew that Israel and all of creation was waiting for this fulfillment of God's great and incredible promises. These promises that are sprinkled generously through time and, and through numerous parts of the Old Testament. And promises of making right what would be wrong. Promises of, of bringing healing to what is broken. Bringing peace to where there is hostility. And bringing restoration to what had been destroyed. But no one knew exactly how these things would come into fruition. No one knew what to look for or what to expect. In the passage tonight, we see the first group of people who got to hear how God was actually going to be doing these things. And breaking the 400 years of silence from God occurs with those that you actually would never expect it to occur with. So turn with me to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. It's going to be on these screens to my right and my left. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. We've got this group of shepherds who are taking care of their sheep in the middle of the night. And this is one of those professions that is a little bit lost on us today, but I'll quickly fill you in. See, this is not a desirable job. It's an around-the-clock job that would keep you roaming the countrysides. It would leave you fully exposed to weather. It would also put you at great risk of being mugged or murdered by thieves or even mauled by wild animals trying to make a quick meal out of the sheep that you were taking care of. Food would be scarce for you. You would often be incredibly dirty and smelly, just like the sheep that you were taking care of. What's even worse than this is that shepherds were social outcasts. A commentator says this, This is not glorious work. This is not the best shift. Shepherds had bad reputations. The nature of their work meant they could not observe Israel's ceremonial laws. They were considered unreliable and could not give testimony in law courts. They were a despised class of people. That's who shepherds were. But look what happens to them. Verse 9, and, the angel, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So take this in for a second. God is revealing himself for the first time in hundreds of years, and he knows the great anticipation of his people, of, of all of creation, waiting for this moment. He probably knows that better than anybody else would know that. And so you would imagine that he would put this moment on blast. That, that he'd make a public service announcement so that the entire world would be able to hear, or at least pick some people a little bit more reputable or honorable than this group of despised, unreliable, dirty shepherds in the middle of the night. But that's exactly what he does. And what does this tell us about God and us? Well, it shows us that God doesn't care about your socioeconomic positioning. God isn't impressed by what you're wearing. He's not impressed by what your title is. He's not impressed by your accolades or your accomplishments or lack thereof. And maybe even more importantly, as we read this, we're seeing that God is actually drawn to these outcasts. The selection of, of who God is including in his story of redemption throughout the Bible is never random. God is not a God of coincidence. He's not a God of chaos. So his selection of these shepherds in this moment these social outcasts, these lowly and despised people who were shunned and pitied 
It's filled with incredible purpose and intentionality. And a little spoiler alert, as he continues on in his ministry, Jesus himself would identify with this lowly profession. He would call himself the great shepherd. So here's one thing I hope that you get from this short verse. That God draws near to those who are least deserving of him. Not just out of pity for them, not because it's part of his job or or that he has to, but because God is compelled out of his nature and his character of being the epitome of love and compassion. I I don't know what your week looked like. I don't know even what, what your year looked like, but know that in your darkest moments of sin and brokenness, when you have felt the most undeserving of him and his grace, God can't help but be drawn to you in those moments. It's just who he is. God is drawn to these shepherds, and he chooses them for the revealing of something extraordinary. And the shepherds have a unique experience, to say the least. It says an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and that the glory of the Lord shone around them, and that they were filled with great fear. See, God's entrance into the world as a little baby might be meek and mild, but his glory as creator and sustainer of heaven and earth precedes him. And the shepherds who who were experiencing this glory around them were well beyond impressed. They were downright terrified as they were experiencing it. But look what happens next in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The first thing that the angel says is, fear not. The angel reassures the shepherds and lets them know that that they're not about to be obliterated by the glory of God, which the glory of God is fully capable of doing. And then the angel says to behold, and if you've been following along with us this fall in our sermon series on the songs of ascent, you know that you need to take heed when you see that word behold. What it means is stop. It means focus. It means listen because what you're about to hear is incredibly important. So what is so important that the angel has to say? Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. It really doesn't get any more important than this. He's telling them that I have good news, and it's about to bring about this great joy, and it's not just for you guys. It's going to affect everybody everywhere forever. If someone were to say that to you, you'd probably at least be curious what they're going to say next. What is this good news of great joy for all people? Well, we see it right here in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The gospel, the the good news of great joy for all people is actually a person. The, The gospel, as you've heard it in church or maybe even in the news, this idea of the gospel, it's not a plan. It's not some information. It's not something that can be contained on like an informational track. It's not an illustration that you make on a napkin. Uh, These shepherds, tired and dirty in a field, are are the first ones to hear this gospel. What is the gospel? 
The angel is revealing that the gospel is Jesus. It's a person. And what makes Jesus good news a great joy for all people? Well, verse 11 is packed with an astounding level of theology that answers this question for us. Very briefly, first, that Jesus would be a savior. He would do the work of saving mankind from our sin and from death. Second, that he is the Christ or the Messiah, meaning that he is the promised heir to David's throne. He's the person that's fulfilling all of these promises that God has been making to his people. And lastly, that he's Lord. This wouldn't be another failed leader, another promising king who would ultimately be limited by his mortal sin and brokenness, but that Jesus is God, the maker of heaven and earth and ruler of all of creation. Mercy House, the the good news of the gospel that we celebrate on Christmas is Jesus. And the long-expected Jesus has finally come. The the thousands of years of waiting, through the peaks and and the valleys of, of hopeful anticipation and then skeptical doubt, all definitively end with these verses that we see, these words in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's good news. With his birth, it means the beginning of his earthly ministry to repair the broken relationship between God and man. The longing that creation had since the moment sin entered the world was for reconciliation back to God. And so through Jesus' birth, his life, his death on the cross, and then his resurrection, our longing would be satisfied. And God's words are true and trustworthy, as we're seeing. Just as Mary had hoped, and, and, and as she trusted, as she said those words in Luke 1, verse 38, when she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. A lot of people come out to pay their respects on Jesus this night each year. Some of us might do it out of obligation. Some of us might feel a little bit of conviction. We might have been dragged here by a family member. I know that that's part of my story. And others of us are here in hopeful expectation and celebration for the birth of our Savior. But no matter how you got into this space right here, I hope that this text, as we're reading it, God's word, would be a reminder to you of God's trustworthiness and his faithfulness. When God says that he's going to do something, when we read promises in his word, it means that he's going to do it. That though your life might be an absolute mess right now, it's not where you want it to be. You don't have it all together. And maybe as you're hearing about shepherds, you can relate to the despised, the outcast, the exhausted, the hungry shepherds. Remember that God draws near to those who are least deserving of him. Remember that those who believe in Jesus as Savior, as as Christ and as Lord, who believe that Jesus saves us from our sin by dying on the cross, that Jesus is the promised one, that that Jesus is not just a good person or a great and wise teacher, but that he's fully God, those of us who believe these things enter into restored relationship with him, which is the very thing that mankind had been desperately longing for since sin entered the world. That's the good news, the great joy for all people that Christmas points toward. 
And so this passage ends in verse 13. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the birth of our Savior, Messiah, Lord, that deserves some fanfare and worship. It's the best news that we've ever heard. It's the best news that we'll ever hear. And those of us who are Christians will never get sick of hearing about it. See, when the angel first announced the gospel to these shepherds in that field in the middle of the night, there's this angelic choir that just appears suddenly to provide this deserved praise and worship of Christ. Mercy House, I'm convinced that that had happened because there were not Christians yet to fill up that choir. Well, this is a different case for us tonight. So let us now, as those who have been drawn near to by God, undeserving yet incredibly needy, who have been washed clean from our sin, let us join the heavenly host in singing loudly the good news of great joy for all people.